poor eyesight, low immunity, skin conditions, these are some of the symptoms of vitamin A deficiency. Keep listening on to find out more in this vitamin mini-series, only here on the People Scientist Podcast. listening to The People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking, to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for episode 93, where every week I arm us with some scientific evidence so we can all lead the healthy lives we want to live. How are you doing? Thank you for tuning in and for inviting me into your day, wherever and whenever you are listening. I hope that I can teach you something new and interesting today. So guess what is back? The vitamin mini series. I know a lot of you have loved this vitamin mini series or vitamin mini series. Previously, I covered vitamin C and the B vitamins where I dedicate one episode to one vitamin. I love talking about the interesting history of how vitamins were discovered. My favorite episode so far, I think, was about niacin, vitamin B3. Because for decades, scientists thought that an illness was due to a plague, like a bacteria or a virus, as the Black Plague was rampant during the 1930s in the United States. However, scientists had to go to some crazy lengths in order to provide that a widespread illness was due to a niacin vitamin B3 deficiency and not a bacteria or a virus. Do you have a favorite vitamin miniseries episode? If so, I would love to hear. So what vitamin am I talking about today? Well, I'm going to get started on the fat-soluble vitamins and talk today about vitamin A. So as we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. Vitamin A could be called the Egyptian vitamin because the first evidence of vitamin A goes back to 325 B.C., And in that evidence, they illustrated that Egyptians were aware of some kind of molecule, its importance in their health, because they would feed liver to those who were suffering from blindness. Now, vitamin A is very important for our eyesight, our immune system, and our ability to fight off infections, as well as for our skin health and our ability to grow. Vitamin A deficiency is very common in developing countries, with hundreds of millions of people battling with the health consequences of vitamin A deficiency. Vitamin A, or the provitamin A beta-carotene, is very high in foods like animal liver, pumpkin, sweet potatoes, kale, spinach, and carrots. But be careful not to take too much vitamin A, 
as we can reach toxicity levels at 3,000 micrograms of vitamin A. So it has what we call a narrow therapeutic range. Now, let's get into those details. Vitamin A is an umbrella term that includes different forms like retinol, retinal, and retinoic acid. Have you also heard of carotenoids or beta-carotene? Well, these are present in plants and are considered pro-vitamin A compounds because they can be converted into vitamin A or the active form of vitamin A in our body. Now, you know what these vitamin mini-series, I love to bring in the old historical clinical trials that would not be very ethical today, but at its time provided really important information that yes, vitamins existed, and yes, we need them to be healthy. Because if you can believe it, it was only about 100 years ago that vitamins really started to be discovered for their importance in our health. There is evidence that dates back to 325 BC in Egypt, where liver from oxen was given to people to cure their night blindness. And at the time, even though they didn't know it, but they would be treating a vitamin A deficiency with the highest source of vitamin A in our known food supply. Now, the discovery of vitamin A seems to span over a period of 130 years. There was a lot of work that went into the discovery and understanding of vitamin A. It was back in the year 1816 that Francois Magendi realized that some factor in the diet was necessary for eye health in dogs, as when he fed a nutritionally inadequate diet to dogs, the dogs unfortunately developed ulcers in their eyes. Now, studies like this would not be conducted today, but sadly, they were conducted back in the 1800s. Into the 1900s, human milk, or breast milk, was studied to understand what nutritional components were necessary for health and growth of humans. The scientists realized that animals could live off of milk and thrive, so they tried to understand every component in human or animal milk. For example, they realized that casein protein was present, as well as some fats, carbohydrates, salts, and water. But when they made a mixture of these isolated ingredients, animals like mice did not remain healthy or grow to the same extent as mice that were fed the actual milk. So they continued to analyze animal milk to see what else could be present in it that was necessary for animal health. It was in the early 1900s that a chemist in Switzerland was able to identify and isolate vitamin A in milk. From that point forward, a lot of different studies were conducted to look at the important role of vitamin A in health. So did scientists study vitamin A deficiency in humans? Yes, they did. In human beings, night blindness was experimentally produced by a vitamin A deficient diet, and they were able to reverse night blindness by providing them vitamin A again. So for example, in one trial in the 1930s, 17 men that were aged between 20 to 31 years old were recruited, and they were maintained on a low vitamin A diet that only supplied 150 IU or international units of vitamin A. By the 10th day of eating a vitamin A deficient diet, reductions in their night vision were already being observed. By 34 days of eating a vitamin A deficient diet, their night vision was much worse, by two logs exactly. So why does a vitamin A deficiency result in vision issues, particularly night vision? Well, retinal, the active form of vitamin A, 
combines with the protein opsin to form rhodopsin, and this molecule is necessary for color vision and low light vision. So one of the first and most common symptoms of vitamin A deficiency is poor vision in low light. Now this finding has been replicated many, many times since the early 1900s, and in fact was thought to even be known back in Egyptian times in 325 BC. So besides poor vision at night or poor color vision with vitamin A deficiency, what are some other common signs of deficiency? Well, poor skin health, a higher risk of acne, and keratosis, which is rough, scaly patches on the skin, may occur with a vitamin A deficiency as well. Scaly skin patches and poor wound healing were noted in clinical trials in the 1930s and 1940s when vitamin A deficiency was induced or probable. This is why many skincare products today tote the benefits of retinol or other forms of vitamin A for skin health. Applying vitamin A to the skin directly is more likely to ensure that the skin will receive higher doses of vitamin A directly versus eating sources of vitamin A, which would distribute the vitamin A throughout the body. A great amount of scientific evidence to support the importance of vitamin A in skin health was reviewed in 2006 in the journal Clinical Interventions in Aging. Most commonly, women with photo-aged skin, meaning aged skin due to exposure to UV light, were enrolled in the clinical studies. A very common synthetic vitamin A, called tretinoin, is the most studied form of vitamin A. In these clinical trials, synthetic vitamin A would be applied to the skin in a lotion or a cream in a very low concentration daily, like 0.025%, for example. The clinical trials lasted anywhere from 3 to 12 months. Indeed, the studies noted an improvement in the health of the skin, like reduced acne, enhanced cell turnover, meaning old cells gone and new cells becoming more prominent, increased collagen, which is the foundational protein of our skin, reduced fine lines, and enhanced skin elasticity. Now, as I mentioned before, there are different forms of vitamin A, and what type of vitamin A we should apply to our skin has been studied. So synthetic vitamin A, like tretinoin, which we can get by a prescription from a physician, is an active and potent form of vitamin A, whereas retinols found in over-the-counter creams and lotions need to be converted to the active form of vitamin A first before it can enhance the benefits for skin health. But both forms of vitamin A, retinol or tretinoin or synthetic forms of vitamin A, both forms have been observed to be effective in enhancing skin health. It is just that these synthetic forms may have more prominent effects more quickly. But overall, from over 100 years of clinical data, eating a diet rich in vitamin A and potentially applying creams with a form of vitamin A to the skin could be of benefit to our skin health and skin appearance. What else might be a symptom of vitamin A deficiency? Poor immune system functioning, so a higher risk of infection and a longer period of infection is also noted in vitamin A deficiency. In the journal Nature Reviews Immunology in 2008, The scientists detail the importance of vitamin A for our immune system. For example, vitamin A plays a role in lymphocyte activation and proliferation, with T helper cell differentiation, with tissue-specific lymphocyte homing, for the production of specific antibody isotypes. So, what does that mean? 
Essentially, vitamin A plays a pivotal role in many parts of our immune system. In individuals known to be battling an infection, vitamin A circulating in their blood seems to decrease because of the increased use of vitamin A to fight the infection, and this has been shown over many times across different populations. There has been a great deal of attention given to vitamin C in fighting the common cold, but I'm curious how vitamin A would fare. Interestingly, even though we understand the role of vitamin A in our immune system, I have yet to come across a well-designed trial where vitamin A was supplemented and the incidence or length of a common cold was followed. But clinical trials involving vitamin A supplementation are not as common because of the risk of toxicity, because it is a fat-soluble vitamin, which I will get into later in this episode. But what we do know for certain is that in developed countries, in children with vitamin A deficiencies, their risk for infection, and serious infection in particular, is much higher. What else might vitamin A be important for? It may also be important for learning and memory. But these findings are based on preclinical studies in mice and rats. For example, in the journal Neuroscience in 2002, rats were provided a vitamin A deficient diet, and the scientists noted their reduced ability to learn, to memorize tasks and mazes. When vitamin A was restored in the diet, so too is their ability to learn and memorize. Why might this happen? Well, the scientists noted a reduction in acetylcholine in the hippocampus of the brain with a vitamin A deficient diet. So what that means is a vitamin A deficiency may alter how the brain signals, particularly in the parts of our brain that are important for thinking and memory. Vitamin A is also a potent antioxidant, meaning it can protect our cells from free radicals and oxidative damage. As a result, it has been studied in the context of cancer because free radicals may induce DNA damage, which may lead to cancer if not handled by our immune system. So overall, it is thought that antioxidants may protect our cells from that risk. Overall, after reading all of the intervention studies where people took supplemental vitamin A or beta-carotene every day and were followed for years just to study or monitor their cancer incidence, overall, the conclusions and the data are mixed. It's really hard to be able to make a clear conclusion if vitamin A supplementation can reduce cancer risk. But observational trials show that in people who eat more plant sources of that pro-vitamin A beta-carotene, that there was an association with a lower risk of some type of cancers. So more reasoned for us to look to our diet for vitamin and nutrients and not necessarily supplements. So if you happen to have some of these deficiency symptoms like poor vision at night, skin conditions like acne or dry scaly skin, or seem to come down with a cold or battle with a severe cold often, perhaps check how much vitamin A you might be regularly eating. And you can do this by entering your typical day's foods into a nutrient analysis website or app. Like for example, I really like the website nutritiondata.self.com or apps like MyFitnessPal or MyFoodDiary can also be helpful there too. I think us being aware of what we normally consume in our diet and see where we're deficient or getting too much can be really powerful information for us. But how common is it for someone to have a vitamin A deficiency? Well, in developed countries like Canada, the USA, etc., the risk of vitamin A deficiency is somewhat low because of our widespread food supply 
and fortification of vitamin A in some foods and beverages. The average intake of vitamin A among adults in the U.S. does fall below the recommendation, but because vitamin A is stored so well in our body, the risk of overt or severe deficiency is quite low. But in developing countries, unfortunately, many children and adults have a severe vitamin A deficiency because of their reduced food supply. The World Health Organization says that vitamin A deficiency is the number one cause for blindness in children in developing countries. So sadly, it is still a concern and problem for many. The World Health Organization actually estimates that 2.8 million preschool-aged children are at risk of blindness just from a vitamin A deficiency. And the health and survival of over 250 million others are seriously compromised because of a vitamin A deficiency. And this often leads to symptoms like blindness or reduced ability to fight infection. So sadly, a vitamin A deficiency impacts a lot of people in the world. So if we want to avoid or fight a vitamin A deficiency, how much vitamin A do we need and where can we get it in our diet? Well, it is recommended that as adults, we consume 700 to 900 micrograms of vitamin A per day. Now, beta carotene, which is a provitamin A molecule typically found in plant foods, we need to get more of beta carotene because it is converted to vitamin A at an unequal rate. For example, we only get 0.05 micrograms of vitamin A from one international unit of beta carotene. So what does that equate to in food? Well, let me give you some examples. Animal liver is the highest known source of vitamin A. Just a tiny amount of liver of just 12 grams, which is less than half an ounce of liver, can give us our day's worth of vitamin A. As such, we need to be careful how much liver we eat if this is a common thing in our diet because it is possible that we can get too much vitamin A if we eat a lot of liver. What other foods might be a good source of vitamin A? Well, half a baked sweet potato can give us our day's requirement of vitamin A. Just half of the baked sweet potato. Two tablespoons of canned pumpkin can give us our day's requirement. Half a cup of kale chopped raw gives us our daily requirement. One cup of boiled spinach or one cup of raw carrots can give us our day's requirement. So if we eat these foods, it can be quite easy to reach our goal. And then there are several sources that supply about 10 to 20% of our daily requirement that we can combine together. For example, one cup of fortified plant or cow's milk can provide about 17% of our daily requirement of vitamin A. So we would need to combine that with other sources like the one cup of milk plus one cup of red peppers, 100 grams of salmon, an egg, and 30 grams of cheese would get us very close to our daily requirement of vitamin A. So there seems to be some very high sources like liver, sweet potatoes, pumpkin, spinach, carrots, and kale. Then there are sources with about 10 to 20% of our requirement that can be added up together. So, can we get too much vitamin A? Yes. This is of particular concern with vitamin A. 
As I mentioned, vitamin A is fat soluble. So unlike some other vitamins like vitamin C and vitamin B, the B vitamins that I talked about before, vitamin A likes to stick around in our body and in particular gets stored in our liver. We know what happens when we eat too much vitamin A in a short period of time based on Arctic explorers who ate a lot of polar bear liver. Consuming too much vitamin A seemed to induce increased intracranial pressure, dizziness, nausea, headaches or migraines, skin irritation, pain in the joints and bones, coma, and sometimes even death. There are also case reports of patients in the ER who were taking extremely high doses of supplemental vitamin A, for example, 120 milligrams per day, which is about 170 times higher than the recommended amount. Patients presented with thinning hair, bulging eyes, cracked corners of the lips, and severe liver disease. Now, taking too much vitamin A may cause liver damage because that is where we store our vitamin A in the body. The thing is, if we take too much vitamin A from food or supplements, it can take a long time for the vitamin A to leave our body. So these symptoms can be lasting, and toxicity may be very difficult to treat. High doses of beta-carotene, that pro-vitamin A form, in supplemental form, may also lead to toxicity and damage of cells. In fact, in animal models of cigarette smoke exposure, combining high doses of beta-carotene with the cigarette exposure seem to make things worse, meaning the cell damage in the lungs and the lung fibrosis was much worse with the combination. Very high intakes of vitamin A or use of some synthetic vitamin A, like creams containing vitamin A, such as tretinoin, that may cause congenital birth defects if we're taking in too much vitamin A. So in women who are trying to become pregnant or are pregnant, they must be careful with supplemental vitamin A. And please always talk to your physician about this. So how much is too much for vitamin A? Well, as adults, we should not exceed 3,000 micrograms of vitamin A from animal products or in retinol or retinol ester supplemental form. So that window of how much we can have can be quite narrow. This is called a narrow therapeutic range. So our goal is to get around 700 to 900 micrograms of vitamin A, but to not exceed 3,000 micrograms. If we exceed this by a small amount once in a while, it should not be a significant risk. It is if we surpass this limit significantly over a period of time that the health risks can occur. The highest risk of taking too much often comes from eating high amounts of liver, taking a high amount of supplements, or using a prescription vitamin A and using it not according to the instructions. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army, the continuation of our vitamin mini-series. The first written record of vitamin A dates back to the Egyptian times when liver was given to people to cure their night blindness. But we really became aware of vitamin A when it was isolated from human breast milk in the early 1900s. Since then, we have realized the importance of vitamin A in our immune system, our eye health and vision, our skin health, our learning capabilities, and our antioxidant defenses. Vitamin A deficiency may lead to poor night vision, blindness, low energy, low immune system functioning, impaired learning and memory, and skin conditions. Some of the highest sources of vitamin A include liver, 
pumpkin, sweet potato, kale, spinach, and carrots. We can get our daily requirement from just 12 grams of liver, from two tablespoons of canned pumpkin, from half a cup of chopped kale, one cup of cooked spinach, or one cup of raw carrots. Now keep in mind that we can get too much vitamin A, which could lead to some serious health consequences. So please do keep this in mind if you like to eat a lot of these high sources of vitamin A, if you take vitamin A supplements, or if you use a synthetic vitamin A for skin health. So that is it for today, my People Scientist Army. I hope you found today's episode interesting. I always love learning about the history and role of vitamins in our health, So there is a little bit of information about vitamin A for you. I hope that you all have a wonderful day. If you don't follow me on social media, please do so, because that is where I share some of the scientific studies I cite in the episode. And feel free to reach out to me to ask me questions about the week's episode too. If you have the choice for social media platform, Instagram is where I post the most information and it is the easiest to reach out to me on. If you want to buy me a coffee to say thank you for the episode, you can do so via the link in the description box to this episode. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I look forward to meeting you back here for another episode, the same time and same place next week on the People Scientist Podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.